This episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you exclusively by Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Discovery Starships Collection, officially authorized by CBS Studios. Subscribe today and receive the USS Shenzhou for only $9.95 with free shipping. For additional information on this incredible collection, please visit eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Coming to you on a secure channel from Podfleet Command to avoid interception by the Founders and the Dominion. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Trek Geeks. This is episode number 142, and I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. It's great to be back. We're sorry we had an impromptu week off last week. If you make it all the way to this week's outtake after the, uh, the end music... Intent nudge nudge for those of you who may not make it that far you got an explanation as to what happened but uh, suffice it to say we're back and we're ready to have some fun and i say we i do mean myself and my illustrious co-host you know we're still looking for the planet he came from in the gamma quadrant so that we can you know eradicate it from the timeline yeah yeah he's the he's the the, the, the largely um, forgettable Dan Davidson. And Dan, once we get rid of your planet, buddy, I guess um, you can just hit the road. Well, once you get rid of the planet, that means I'll just be stuck here with you forever. So nice job, buddy. Great to be here. All right, Hi. check mark. I'll have to go back in time. <laughs> Better. Go back in time. Get rid Better. of planet. Yes. No more Dan. Got it. All right. All I'm right. all set. Excellent. But until that happens, we have a fun-filled episode don't we, Bill? Um, it's a fan favorite. It is. It. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Go. It is. See it or skip it. <laughs> and Dan, we have a special guest geek for the full hour. Tonight. Yes, we do. I am so excited about this. Of course, it's See It or Skip It, which has always been a favorite of the listeners of Trek Geeks. We're going to do Deep Space Nine Season 3. And the host... Of the Trek Profiles podcast himself, Mr. John Krikorian is going to join us to be the MC, the referee, the guy, the man, the dude, and it's going to be pretty awesome. I can already tell how awesome it's going to be. And Bill, you know how awesome it's going to be? Um, uh, pretty awesome. It's going to be pretty awesome. Exactly. Yes. I see. I guessed it right. That's awesome. See, you do time travel. 
I know, right? Uh, you know, we love John's podcast, Trek Profiles. It has quickly become one of, you know, my top of the queue podcasts. He's killing it on that show. And if you're not listening to it, you really should. It's It's got some great profiles of Star Trek fans and their fandom, which I think is just a, a wonderful point of view. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be a guest on one of his uh, his episodes. And, uh, and you'll be a guest coming up soon, Dan. But, uh, you know, our friends Barry DeFord, Haley Stoddart, and, and some other folks. Uh, Amy Nelson uh, was the episode before me. I'm episode four. And um, it just it keeps turning out great content. So it's a joy to have John on. And we're looking forward to seeing it or skipping it, I got to say. Before we get to all that, Dan, why don't you tell the good folks at home how they could give us their feedback or their recommendations for seeing or skipping? I think that's a great idea, Bill. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, it's very easy, actually. Just head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and you'll find a variety of ways to send us your thoughts and and your picks of whether you'll see it or skip it for any of the Deep Space Nine seasons or any Star Trek series, for that matter. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can even fill out the contact form. Type away. That's me typing. And uh, you can leave a message about anything that might be on your Star Trek mind. So uh, don't forget, you can also click that big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a voice message using SpeakPipe. And uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about it because I always do. Please, please, please head on over to our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Join in on all the fun. We're close to a thousand members of Camp Kittimer as we record this today. Uh, There's all kinds of Star Trek talk pictures, polls, contests. Every Friday, you're going to be subjected or tortured, however you want to look at it, to the Friday commute celebration where Bill and I do our weekly lip sync. And you're also going to get early access to episodes of the Trek Geeks podcast before they're ever released. So that's pretty cool, too. To join the group, just head right on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. And one of our wonderful admins, Heather, Jackie, or Dan, will let you right on into camp. But please remember that... Any messages or comments that you leave in these places may be used in a future episode, Bill. I have to use these comments in a future episode? I'm really tired. (laughs) (laughs) You're also really dull. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. It's Dan and his clinky drink. And it's treknews.net. Online. At treknews.net. <laughs> You're trying to keep the ice cubes away from the microphone there, pal, huh? <laughs> but, uh, stop shaking it up. And speaking of shakeups, Dan, uh, there's been a shakeup at Star Trek Discovery, and they have now their third showrunner in two years. Showrunners Aaron Harbert and Gretchen Berg are out, and co-creator Alex Kurtzman is in. Yeah, this, uh, this game is quite a shock. Uh, quote, Sources say the budget for the season two premiere ballooned with the overages expected to come out of subsequent episodes from Discovery's sophomore run. 
Insiders also stress that Berg and Harberts became increasingly abusive to the Discovery writing staff, with Harberts said to have leaned across the writer's room table while shouting an expletive at a member of the show's staff. Multiple writers are said to have been uncomfortable working on the series and had threatened to file a complaint with human resources or quit the series altogether before informing Kurtzman of the issues surrounding Berg and Harberts. After hearing rumors of HR complaints, Harberts is said to have made imposing remarks to the staff to keep concerns with the production an internal matter, end quote. Wow. Yeah. Now, first, we want to say we don't know if this report is true or not, nor do we know the whole story. This is just what was reported by The Hollywood Reporter, which, of course, is, you know, one of those go to sites for for industry uh, news. So we're just taking this story as it was presented. And like any story, we assume that there's more to it. But what's in this story is just incredibly troubling and sounds like an incredibly hostile workplace. It really does. And it's really, it's really sad and, and, and concerning. Um, we've talked about how much we loved season one and, and we love what the people are doing over there. And then to see this come out um, now they've gone through, I believe, I think they're through episode five filming so far. And there isn't a hiatus coming up that was already planned before all of this happened. So I hope that that hiatus is kind of a nice reset button so everybody can relax and calm down and, and refocus and put out a product that we know can be just so spectacular with what we've seen and heard about what is coming for season two. But I got to tell you, this was this really... This really knocked the wind out of my sails uh, the day that it came out, man. I, I agree with you. I mean, because we've given, you know, uh, Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg a lot of credit for the success of, you know, Star Trek Discovery's first season in the wake of the mess that Brian Fuller left behind him. Um, it's it's troubling. It's sad. I mean, we we said this on Twitter and we reiterate it today. We stand behind the writers. We love the writers. We support them. And um, we look forward to what they have to bring us in the future because they are doing just such great work. And hopefully that this will get things back on track and that um, I doubt that Kurtzman will run this show himself for very long. Uh, if he's if he does what I think he'll do, he'll probably hire another showrunner or perhaps maybe he'll promote somebody from the writing staff, which I think would be great, too. It's uh, it's it's sad to see. It's interesting, and you just said it. The writers are the magic of the show. I mean, they come up with these these amazing stories, and 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 we get to see the end result, which all of last year we just absolutely loved. So, fingers crossed for for some positivity for everybody involved there, and uh, and uh, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Indeed, we shall. Dan, on to happier news. Coming up in just six short weeks from from this recording is Star Trek Las Vegas, the biggest Star Trek convention in the world. And it's one of our favorite weeks of the year. Dan, there's a couple of very huge parties going on. And and the first of which we want to talk about tonight is one that I think is fantastic. It's from our dear friends at the Tricorder Transmissions. And this is their Night of Diversity party, which just sounds really fantastic. It does sound fantastic. The uh, STLV Night of Diversity as you said, is presented by the Tricorder Transmissions, and it's created for want of a free, safe space for LGBT 
LGBTQ Star Trek fans. Just an awesome idea. It's organized by fans and for fans. And this event will feature a raffle with exciting prizes, special guest appearances, and an opportunity to celebrate the infinite diversity of Trek without even leaving the Rio. So that's cool. It's at the Rio. All proceeds raised by the raffle will benefit LGBTQ charities, which I think is just fantastic as well. Uh, It's going to take place Saturday night during STLV. That's going to be August 4th at 7 p.m. Pacific. And for more information, check out the Tricorder Transmissions Facebook page or the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Convention Facebook group over at, you guessed it, Facebook. Ah, uh, the Book of Faces, one yes. of our favorite destinations. It is. Now this this is going to be a fantastic party. I'm so psyched that it's at the Rio. I think this is wonderful live DJ. I mean, it doesn't get much more Vegas than that. And um, like it's it's to celebrate everybody. I mean, whether you you know are are you know one of those fans that that is looking for that safe space, or whether you're an ally of those fans, um, it's just for everybody to get together and celebrate what makes us us. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know you are too. And um, Dan, there's another party that we are looking very much forward to. It is, in fact, oh. the party that you and I are hosting. What? And it it is the return of the only Star Trek party on the legendary Las Vegas Strip. Oh, it was fun last year, wasn't it, man? <laughs> <laughs> it was a yes. blast. It is the Fan Geeks Party Part Duh. If I may say so myself, Um, we had a great, great time teaming up with our wonderful friends at Fansets. So we're going to do it again this year. We're so excited. We're going to be at the same location that we were at Bill last year, which I don't know about you, but I am absolutely ecstatic about the other room over at Caesars Palace. It was a great time there last night. Uh, Last night? I wish it was last night. It was last year. Uh, (laughs) It's going to be, I believe it's Friday, August 3rd from 8 to 11 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, Bill, I think you have some information about, you know, there's going to be some pretty cool stuff going on. I think. Well, you know, there really is. So first we got to say is last year we played Stump the Geek with the crowd. Uh, We're going to do the same thing again this year because it was such a a hit with everybody. And the best part was is so many people went home with free pins from fan sets. I mean, because that really is the best part of the whole thing. Plus, you know, in addition to that, there's going to be raffles. Yeah, we're going to give away a lot of fan set stuff, including some really special stuff just for the party, which I, Dan, you and I have seen the list of some of these things. And believe me, people aren't going to want to miss this. Plus, you throw on top of that special pricing on food at drinks in the other room at the other room in Vegas, located at the forum shops at Caesars Palace. Last year, they did not disappoint. Their food was fantastic. The drinks were mighty tasty. We possibly may have imbibed some of those ourselves, allegedly. <laughs> but uh, just come on and have a good time. I mean, it's it's to celebrate Star Trek. It's to celebrate everything that that we enjoy about STLV, and it's to enjoy the the company of other you know Trek family members. Um, our our sincere thanks to everybody at Fansets to uh, to John to Lou and, and everybody for uh, for bringing us back to host this again this year. We are more than excited, and we can't wait to have the uh, the biggest Star Trek night in Vegas. It's it, it is the the event that i'm looking most forward to this year because last year was so much fun we were so humbled by the amount of people that showed up um i think it's going to be great and i gotta say for people that went last year 
y'all know about the prizes that were given away from by fan sets. They were amazing prizes, whole collections of pins, special editions, all kinds of things. I'm going to let you in a little hint. I'm not going to say anything about what they are, but I do know that this year's prizes are going to quote dwarf last year's prizes. Just going to leave it like that. That is so amazing. And of course, everybody who attends this party is going to get a free commemorative pin just for the party. So it's a, it's a pin designed for the fan geeks party. And, um, it looks like the Las Vegas sign, which is really fun. And, um, everybody who walks through the door gets one of those instantly. So everybody's leaving with something to begin with, throw on top of that, the amazing array of prizes and, and giveaways that fan sets is going to do or that we're going to do for them. Cause I love giving their stuff away. Um, and it's going to be a night to remember, buddy. You know what else is going to be awesome? What's that? Five-year mission music playing. <laughs> Last year, we had a five-year mission running over the uh, the stereo. Uh, we wish they were going to be in Vegas with us. We yeah. truly do. And uh, when Fark hears this, um, uh, know that we are heartbroken that, uh, that we'll have to listen to a recorded version. But... Um, it's going to be a great night, and we can't wait for everyone to join us. If you want to find out more, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash trekgeeks, or you can uh, hunt us down on, on the Twitters or everywhere else. But uh, know that it's going to be a fantastic time, and we hope everybody stops by. So, Bill, uh, we want to take a few minutes to tell everyone about the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection from our great friends over at Eagle Moss Collections. Oh, man, do we ever. You know, this has been such a great, great uh product that Eagle Eagle Moss has put out. Of course, it's officially authorized by CBS Studios, and this special collection features brand new ship concepts and designs from the first season of CBS's Star Trek Discovery. You know, each of these ship models has gone through extensive reference study and has been reproduced under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson for accuracy and detail. Now, I got to tell you, I'm holding the Shenzhou in my hands. And the first thing you're going to notice upon receiving this, which is the first ship in the collection, uh, the USS Shenzhou NCC-1227, is it's just, it's definitely larger. This thing is almost eight inches from the very front of the saucer to the back of the warp nacelles. So, I mean, it is a great size ship. Every single one of the ships in this collection are in this larger scale. And of course, they're made of die cast metal and these high quality ABS materials. And, you know, they are hand painted with reference to the actual CG models that are used in production. So awesome. And you know, the ship is awesome, but you know what else is really awesome about these ships is that it comes with its own very cool, very sturdy display base, plus a collector's magazine featuring behind the scenes info, original design sketches, and a breakdown of technology on board for each ship that you get in the collection. Uh, you know, I got I got two of them right in front of me right now. Actually, I have three because I have one from the little teeny tiny starships collection, but I won't get into that one. The Shenzhou and the Discovery. These magazines are awesome. The the paper material is 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 first class. They're just amazing. You're going to love them. Um, like Bill said, the first ship in the collection, the USS Shenzhou NCC-1227, is available when you subscribe for only $9.95 with free shipping when you head on over to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. 
that price still blows me away. Nine ninety five with free shipping. Uh, that's just, that's truly amazing. You know, I was at work today, and of course, I brought my model of the USS Discovery into my office. And there are Trek fans that sit on either side of me. And I brought that in and they were instantly drawn to it. I mean, this is the, the God's honest truth. I mean, uh, I could not have made this up. And each of them said, without even knowing the other one said it because they did it at different times, wow, <laughs> that looks amazing. Almost word for word. You know, it's, I love these models. I am proud to display them in my you know, at my home and also at work. And I can't wait to see some of these additional models, you know, not just the Discovery, but also the USS Corolla, NCC-1255. And Dan, I can't wait to get my hands on that reimagined Klingon bird of prey because that thing looks just insane. <laughs> They're all going to ship monthly at an exclusive 20% discount off the standard retail price. And of course, that also comes with free shipping. Now, subscribers... So the program are also entitled to free gifts worth over $100. But of course, I mean, you can cancel your subscription at any time. I don't know why you would want to, because you're going to want an entire fleet of these large size ships, let me tell you. Full details, of course, can be found at eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. Bill, if memory serves, if I may, I believe video for the USS Kerala NCC-1255 and the Klingon Bird of Prey is now available from Eagle Moss. You can see it. And oh my God, they are pretty awesome. So uh, check it out. And fans who'd like to purchase their favorite ships individually, you can certainly do that either online at shop.eaglemoss.com or head on over to your local comic book shop for the regular price. You're going to pay a little bit more, uh, but don't forget to subscribe. And go. And to do that, you want to go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. And we can't thank Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection enough for sponsoring this week's episode. Well, Dan, here we are again to consider yet another season of Star Trek in our infamous See It or Skip It series. And this time, we're staying with Deep Space Nine in the 25th anniversary year. 25th anniversary year is such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yep. It's time for See It or Skip It. And it's time for season three, where things really, really start getting interesting in our favorite Star Trek series. Right, Bill? Absolutely. It's... um. It's fun to rewatch these, some of these again, and there are some, I guess, it's probably not fun to rewatch, which is hey. part of the reason we do this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we should probably state right off the bat that, I mean, it's Deep Space Nine. We love it. We're going to watch it. Exactly. But, you know, we just do this as a fun thing to determine which episodes you, you really should should concentrate on, which ones, if you wanted to come back to at some point, you could skip, right? <sighs> That's blasphemous, my friend. No, absolutely right. Absolutely correct. You know, there's always there's always a bad apple in the bunch. I mean, we got a great podcasting family and we have you. So that's a perfect example of what I was saying. But so I'm going to do something a little bit better than that. I'm going to introduce a great podcaster who's going to help us on today's show. I think that's a good idea. So you've all heard his magnificent new podcast called Trek Files. He is John Krikorian. He is here today to be the referee, the MC, the guest host on See It or Skip It, Deep Space Nine, Season 3. John, very excited to have you on the show. Listen to your um, show all the time. It's great. Even when Bill was a guest, it was just wonderful listening, my friend. Trek Files is uh, Larry's show. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to say it. Uh, uh, and, I'm, and I'm sitting here going, well, that was a great intro, Dan. That was awesome, dude. I, I love you, brother, but that was not good. <laughs> the wrong show. <laughs> and of course, uh, we do mean Trek Profiles, because I've been on the podcast so far, and I know the title. What did I say? You said Trek I- Files. Did I really? Oh my god! I, yeah. I I could take a screenshot right now. I have written down Trek profiles and underlined it, and yet I still screwed it up because I'm dumb. Want to try again? <laughs> <laughs> it was so genuine, so heartfelt, and wrong all at the same time. You know, it was like it's like a, it's like a, I want to. Too bad you don't have the wah wah sound effect, right? <laughs> uh, I don't have it uploaded, but uh, I'll have that for next time. Nice. That's what I do. I, I screw up. I can't type. I can't talk. I can't do anything. I'm just going to let sit back and let you guys do the show now. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we're going to leave that in. Uh, <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> John, welcome so much to Trek Geeks. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here, my friend. And as Dan said, your, your podcast is fabulous and required listening. I look at it as the meet the press of Star Trek podcasts, and uh, it, it's a great look at fandom. Oh, well, thank you. That that means so much to me that uh, not only that you're saying such wonderful things about my show, but that you agree to be on. And uh, we can also let the cat out of the bag. I'm going to be recording with Dan, too. So Trek Profiles will be at 100% Trek Geek Power uh, very Trek, soon. Trek, Trek Files. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. Dan shows up for the right show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On Tuesday, don't be like sending messages to Larry like, hey, where are you, man? I'm, I'm in the recording. Where are you? Oh, my God. That's great. <laughs> well, um, of course, we're going to do a see it or skip it today. And, and for the folks who haven't played the home game yet, what we do is we go through an entire season of Star Trek, in this case, DS9 season three. And Dan and I will decide whether or not we should see it or skip it and tell you why. Uh, reigning in the chaos and perhaps peppering in some of the responses from our official Facebook group, Camp Gittimer, will be the lovely and talented John, who, of course, can tell us whether he would see or skip an episode if he feels so inclined. That sound good, guys? Love it. Sounds like a plan. Excellent. Well, John, uh, the the microphone and the floor is yours, so please feel free to uh, to wrestle the chaos if you fi- if you will. All right. Well, let's just remember, gentlemen, all Star Trek episodes are above average Star Trek episodes, but we will be taking a critical look here. So even though we love them all, sometimes we'll see it, sometimes we'll skip it. Let's see what happens. And let's start with the first episode of season three, The Search Part One. Cisco takes the Defiant into the Gamma Quadrant to find the founders and avert a war, while Odo is drawn by instincts towards his home planet in the Omerian Nebula. Let's start with you, Dan. See it or skip it. Well, season three has got a lot of good stuff, and it starts off with such a bang. It is a definite see it for me. It's an amazing first look at my favorite ship in Star Trek uh, and very interesting events with Eddington and the Romulan uh, commander who's there to make sure that the cloaking device gets used, quote, properly. Um, And I actually love the mini cliffhanger that takes place at the end of part one with the female changeling showing up. And even though changelings can take any form, they somehow always look like Odo who can't make perfect faces. But I digress. It's a definite see it. I love it. Got to start out season three with a bang and they sure did. Bill? Well, Dan, I have to agree with you, and it's it's weird to do this early on, but I'm going to also say see it. I think that this episode is essential in the scope of the Dominion arc and in the evolution of, of Cisco as a commander. I think that this is very important for him. I mean, um, th- th- this is 
pretty much the foot on which the rest of the Dominion arc, you know, launches off from. So for me, it's absolutely a see it. And speaking for myself, Odo and Quark go on an adventure and share a bunk and see it just for that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And nice. Uh, Camp Kittimer is 100% in agreement. We are all in unanimity here. Everyone says, see it. All right. Nice. Moving on. The Search Part 2. Odo begins to connect with his fellow changelings as Cisco attempts to negotiate peace with the Dominion. Let's start with you, Bill. Thanks. Uh, I definitely say see this. I mean, you've got Jonathan Frakes directing. You've got Odo shifting into all kinds of different things. I actually love this conclusion to the season premiere. I think it's great for what it means for Odo. I think it's great to see uh, uh, the kind of twist at the end that that you really weren't expecting necessarily. And plus, it tells you how far the, the Dominion and the founders are willing to go. So it's a definite see it for me. Dan? Yeah, I agree with just about everything you said there, man. It's a definite see it for me. Uh, I love the way that things just get out of hand and and unravel regarding Federation policy and what they're willing to do uh, to make peace with the Dominion. I loved seeing Nechev. She's at her best here. And I love the Odo thread and what he's going through. I got to say, I, I'm, I'm not thrilled that the entire thing was a simulation on the founder's part. But at the same time, it's so intriguing to see just how far the founders will go and what they'll do to see what they're up against when it comes to Cisco, his crew and the Federation. It's a fantastic end to this two parter. And it is a definite see it for uh, for the search part two. Uh, I'd agree with you, gentlemen, that it is a definite see it, but I do have to follow up with uh, Dan's comment. I, I like to call these Tommy Westfall episodes, um, which is a reference to Saint Elsewhere, uh, which oh, for those yeah. who, it, yeah, wow. so for, for, for those who've never seen it, right? It's the show that's in the hospital. And at the very end of the very last episode, there's this scene, which you can find on YouTube, that seems to indicate that the whole show took place in a in a boy's mind, in a snow globe. And I, I, I don't like the idea that the, that the whole thing didn't actually happen. I, I don't like the mind fakery. Uh, so I, I kind of hold that against it, but you got to see it because it's a critical cog in the wheel of the whole Deep Space Nine mythos. Definitely wow. see it. Camp Kittimer agrees as well. So once again, unanimity prevails here on the Trek Geeks today. All right. I have to say that um, it's if St. Elsewhere really ended that way, that kid is really kind of messed up. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> that, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a who shot JR moment then also for we want to show our age. But yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I'd recommend go look up the um, scene on YouTube and you can see sort of how they did it. It was a really unsatisfying sort of ending uh, in a lot of ways. And it was very problematic. And I, I just don't like that idea that was all in the head because it, it backs off any of the character development that you saw during the, during the, during the episode. But anyway, we digress. It's definitely a see it. Everyone agrees. You got to see it. It's an essential episode, but let's see if we can mix it up a little and have some diverse opinions about episode number three, the house of quark. Quark falsely brags about killing a Klingon, and then it is forced to marry his widow, Grilka, founding the House of Quark. Dan, what say you? You know, it's funny. A couple of weeks ago when we had our Odo and Quark episode, we talked about how I didn't really like the Ferengi and TNG. As a matter of fact, I hated the Ferengi and TNG. I'll, I'll, I'll say it right up front. But Armin just made a way of making the Ferengi a quote-unquote respectable species 
when Deep Space Nine came around. And this is a definite see it for me. It's a great Quark development story. And we see lots of Star Trek Easter eggs in this episode, which I love. We get to see Gowron again. We see the discommodation process. Um, And I got to tell you, the first time that I realized that Galt himself, Joseph Ruskin, was Grilka's aide, I just was as giddy as you could imagine because I just love that actor. Great episode. And uh, it's a definite see it for me. What say you, Bill? Um, It's not a definite see it for me, although it is a see it. I'm on record many times over as saying I don't like the Ferengi episodes. But this one is entertaining enough for me to sit through. It's not one that I'll want to go back and rewatch again and again, but if it comes up during the process of watching a season, I will watch it. I just, it's, um, it's more fun than some of the other Ferengi episodes, I guess is the best way for me to put it. So for me, I'm going to say, see it. So this is one of these episodes that, um, I, I, I think I probably had a very different reaction to when I first saw it, uh, when I was a lot younger and I probably didn't mind it so much. And in fact, I probably enjoyed it. You know, Klingons are, are always fun. And uh, Armin's performances are always great. But as a as an older person and uh, as a married person, I got to tell you, the stuff with O'Brien is very, very problematic. And I, I yeah. just I, I cannot abide an episode where they do something so horrendous uh, and portray family life in this way. Oh, I'm having a, a problem with my wife. I'm going to send my wife and child away from me. And uh, yeah, that seems like a good strategy. No, not a good strategy. You know. Let me let me break in, John, real quick. And and this is something that, that Bill and I have talked about is the whole Keiko aspect of Deep Space Nine. It was pretty evident that to, to me and probably Bill and, and several others that Keiko wasn't a great character on Deep Space Nine. So they had to figure out some way to have her not on the show regularly because Rosalind, prob- Rosalind probably wasn't available all the time. But you're absolutely right. The way that they deal with Keiko and her unhappiness and the way that she is on Deep Space Nine when she's there and then how they kind of get rid of her really is a disservice to the to the to the cast of the show and the characters so i gotta agree with you 100 there that b story i actually kind of forgot about that a little bit and you're absolutely right on point with that star trek does families like odo does faces not good <laughs> or like dan does faces not hey. good. Oh, oh off the top well, rope all right dang Let's move on. Oh, uh, but let's take a look. And uh, Camp Kittimer came in at 84% see it. So still nice. pretty strong. All right. Yeah. Let's move on to episode four, Equilibrium. A haunting secret from Dax's past could mean the end of the current host's life. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Bill. Wow. I, I feel pressure now that there's been dun, dun, dun music. Um, <laughs> for me, this one is a see it. I like this episode and it's look into Trill Society. It gives Jadzia something really challenging uh, in her character arc. And and plus, it's interesting to see the way that the other Starfleet crew responds around her. Um, the, the Trills, as interesting as a race as they are, really not all that cool. I'm just going to throw that out there. So for me, it's a see it. Dan? Yeah, I'm going to give it a seat as well. They don't seem to be as technologically advanced as some other of the races that we see in the Federation. But I do like this episode. Like you said, Bill, you get a look into Trill Society. And I like to see the symbionts in their natural habitat because we don't get to see them very often. And quite honestly, who wouldn't want to watch an episode where you get to see lightning in a milk bath with Terry Farrell in it? So that's a big thumbs up right there. So it's a see it for me. I'm down with the milk with the milk bath. Um <laughs> Cool prestidigitation with the masks. Uh, I enjoyed Guardian Timor. I liked that 
the little guest character. I enjoyed the interesting trill politics, sociological commentary stuff. So it's a see it for me. But uh, Camp Kittimer was pretty much equally divided on this one, 56% in favor wow. of it. So there you go. Some discord in the ranks. All right, That's kind of surprising to me. It is. Um, and, and there's there's times where this happens with the Camp Kittimer results, where there's an episode that is just straight down the middle, you know, yes and no. Um, be interesting to see how many more of those there are as we go forward. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for this particular one, people didn't put in any comments. So, I, you know, we don't have a sense of, of why people felt that way. So, you know, if people want to give us feedback, they can always hit us up on the Twitter and let us know what their problems were with the episode, right? We'd love to talk about totally. it. Totally. Absolutely. Wow. It's like you've done this before. This is great. <laughs> not, not my first rodeo. It's my <laughs> third rodeo. <laughs> third, third rodeo. All right. Let's move on to episode five, Second Skin. Oh, by the way, so that was a see it for me for Equilibrium. Let's move on to Second Skin. Kira is kidnapped by Cardassians, surgically altered to look like a Cardassian, and told she is actually an undercover Cardassian agent. Dan, Second Skin. Second Skin. Wow. Second Skin is a first watch over and over again. I have see it in all capital letters on my spreadsheet. Um, this may be one of my all-time favorite Kira episodes. Nana is just fabulous in this episode. Seeing her as a Cardassian is eerily awesome, and the story is just fantastic. Um, I loved Entek. He's a awesome slime ball if there is such a thing and he was played so magnificently by gregory sierra and i gotta tell you garrick is great at the end of this episode because you know if i were to vaporize bill the way that garrick vaporized Entech, i probably would have just come out with a pity i rather liked him just like he did it's great great episode wow. bill wow thanks for that there you go. I, uh, nice. that's what a ringing endorsement i can't yes. wait to commute together tomorrow uh, <laughs> you know, this is one of those episodes where at first I was worried it would be a little bit of a ripoff of TNG's Face of the Enemy, but it's so different than that. And and Deanna Troy doesn't enter your mind at all when you're watching this because Nana is just completely in charge of, of her performance and in charge of the screen. I think this episode is essential season three and um, it, it fires on all cylinders. And what a testament to to Westmore's makeup that Nana looks so amazing as a Cardassian. You know, it's, it, it, it's a fabulous episode all around. This is an absolute see it for me. Uh, speaking for me, the episode has Hasperat in it. Therefore it's a see it. Um, always give a yes. thumbs up for the Hasperat, but uh, actually I do have to say two things. First of all, the acting in the episode on all fronts from everybody involved was just so delightful and on point. You really have to see it just to appreciate that. Second thing, and this might be in my own head, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a uh, show from the 60s called The Prisoner, yeah. but mm -hmm. this yep. was this had some very strong reminiscent themes from that show, and uh, I really felt that as I was watching it, and so any sort of thing that makes me think of The Prisoner is a good thing. It's a definite see it, and as for Camp Kittimer, 88% said, nice. let's see it. So again, I think we have a lot of unanimity here. Uh, about this particular episode. Let's talk about The Abandoned. So let's go to episode six. Quark purchases a salvage ship from the Gamma Quadrant and discovers a surprise on board. Bill. Oh, he's a little baby Jemadar. He's so cute. Oh, I love little baby Jemadar. Uh, I am all in. This is a fantastic episode. You've got Avery Brooks directing, which is is great. I want more of this in my life. Um, and the story that this tells, 
um, I think is really important in understanding the Jem'Hadar. So for me, this is without a doubt, 100% see it, Dan, whom I would abandon in a heartbeat. Well, to quote Dr. McCoy, Sorry, I had to do it. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is a see it for me. It's um, it's a great episode. You know, at first I was a little concerned, baby Jem Hadar, but it just works. And and that relationship between Odo and and the baby Jem Hadar is just great. Uh, Renee shines as he always does. Quark does a great job in this episode. It's another see it for me. We're like six for six so far, I think, dude. We are. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a um. It's a see it for me, but I have one very problematic thing with this episode that I struggle with, guys, uh, sincerely. And it's that if you were just to take the Quark character in this show and and replace it with a human character, let's say a Federation citizen, right? Mm -hmm. Some Federation citizen finds some salvage or legally purchases salvage, not a problem, takes it back to the station, discovers this infant on board, does the right thing, reports it. And then the Federation says, yeah, we're just taking over that whole salvage uh, because just because and we're taking your property just because. And I think now this is Quark and sort of, you know, we're allowed to beat up on Quark for some reason that I don't fully understand. They just take his property like we're taking it. I was like, that is not cool. Right. He does the right thing and he's punished for it. I, I found that problematic. But overall, the episode is great. You need to learn about the Gem Hadar. I think there's a a whole nature versus nurture element to the gem Hadar here that the show is talking about. It's fantastic. I think you should see it, but it still has some problematic elements. And uh, the Camp Kittimer results, 72% said see it. Uh, and one of the comments here, I love it. It's Jim Henson's gem Hadar babies episode. See it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now that- I can see is Fozzie Bear. one thing that i wonder about this episode is and and it might not be an an issue per se but a continuity thing later on uh in the episode where the jem hadar take over the defiant you find out that jem hadar are grown in husks and they emerge whenever i'm wondering if this is a continuity thing or just maybe that this one was husked prematurely so to speak and put in this in the ship i don't know but i still love the episode i thought it was great very cool All right, moving on to episode seven, Civil Defense. Deep Space Nine is progressively locked down after O'Brien, Jake, and Sisko accidentally activate an automated Cardassian defense program. Goldicott comes on board, but is unable to stop the self-destruct sequence. Dan, what do you say? This episode is freaking awesome. I love it. It is a see it for me. It's a great story that shows the paranoia that the Cardassians had during the occupation. Um, I love the phasers that only target non-Cardassians. That is a very cool feature of this episode. And I just, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Guldacott. He's one of my all-time favorite characters. But I love how his own program turns against him when he tries to beam out of the station. It's a great twist at the end. Um, good bonding between Jake and Ben in this episode as well. This is a definite season three must-see. Bill? This is one of those episodes that you don't even realize that they've been on board the station the whole time. You know, if it were TNG, we'd call it a bottle show. But it's done so exceptionally well that you don't really pay any attention to any of that. I think this, the script fires in all cylinders from concepts, you know, through the story into the performances. 
I love that that this is, you know, sort of a, the, I'm going to use the words that Mission Log loves to use, booby trap gone wrong scenario. Um, this one is an absolute see it for me. I think this is a fun episode and I re- I've rewatched it many times since. Um, good Garrick stuff, good Ducat stuff, good Cisco stuff. Um, but I, I really hate the man versus machine episodes. Um, okay. Sorry, guys. I got to give no, it okay. a, a marginal skip on this one. But uh, I have to say, I love one of the comments from Camp Kittimer, um, and I'm going to try to do a Gul Dukat impression here. Bajoran workers, watch this episode. <laughs> you can try to make me laugh, but after saying you're skipping it, I'm not coming on your show this week. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Larry. Beautiful. I, I will not deign to respond to your provocations at this time, <laughs> <laughs> but no, your name has been added to my whiteboard. Uh, it's the only oh, one on there too. Ninety-two yeah. percent <laughs> <laughs> of our friends at Camp Kittimer said see it, so I am in the minority on that one. But that is okay. All right, I think this one might cause a little bit more discord. Let's talk about episode eight, Meridian. Dex falls in love with Dural, who will soon disappear because he is a member of the planet Meridian, a planet that has phases between dimensions every 60 years. Bill, what do you say? Well, you know, people dog on this episode, and I actually kind of enjoy it. Okay, yes, I freely stipulate up front, the guy opposite Jadzia is completely weak. They're not a good match at all. But really, for me, this episode is all about Jadzia's reaction and how the very end of this episode pays that off for her. She gets to experience some real emotion and pain, something we don't often see Jadzia do. And so I think that this is a a bit of a stretch for her character and shows some real growth. Uh, So even though she's 300 plus years old, this 28 year old woman is really experiencing a significant loss for her. And I think that's, that's important. So this for me is an absolute see it. Um, I like Meridian. I know people don't, but call color me weird, Dan. Well, you are weird, Bill. Um, <laughs> but so I'll color you that. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, this is a see it for me as well. Um, this was one that I didn't originally like back in the day when I watched it the first or second or third time. But now as I'm older, um, it really warms my heart to see Jadzia in love with this guy as much as she is. And at the same time, it just rips me to pieces when she's that tether that's going to kill everybody unless she lets go. Um, this this may be Terry's best performance to date um, with how she handles that, like you said, Bill, at the end of the episode. It's a great um, Jadzia character building episode and you get to see many layers that you haven't seen like you said from someone who's 300 years old but only 28 at the same time so it's a see it for me what do you say john so remember what i said at the beginning all star trek episodes are above average but Mm -hmm. uh, i'm going to give this one a marginal skip um i I loved the love story i have to say um in fact it's it's funny because uh i actually rated this love story as one of my top five one-offs uh on trek ranks uh, they were asking for the top five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I said, well, you know, I, I thought this was a really good love story. So I put it in my list when I tweeted it out um, because, you know, she's she's going to be with this guy for 60 years. Right. I mean, that's that's mad, mad lure guys. So I love that part. But my critique of this episode is that to me, it just felt like a TNG episode. It didn't feel like a deep space nine. Uh, it I, it mm. just felt misplaced for me. It felt like it would have worked better. This felt like one of those scripts that had been sitting around the office since like season two of TNG that they're just like, oh, let's do this one. You know, it, it just felt like a, 
TNG or maybe a TOS episode. It didn't feel very DS9 y to me. Uh, but I can tell you for sure that uh, Camp Kittimer was uh, in a very strong agreement that uh, this was a skip. Uh, 36% uh, wow, were in wow. favor of seeing it. So this was uh, not an episode that people were um, suggesting that we should watch. Interesting. That yeah. is really interesting to me. I, it's uh, And I believe me, I understand why, because I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that the guy who's who's playing Jadzia's love interest just isn't remotely believable or lovable. Cardboard. cardboard. Yeah, totally cardboard. So I get it on that level. But uh, okay, well, that's really interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see if we can change it up and move on to Defiant Episode 9. Commander William Riker shows up unannounced and Kira shows him the Defiant where he reveals his true motives for coming to Deep Space Nine. Dan, what do you say? Well, gosh, what what can you not say about about this episode? It's it's fantastic. It's a definite see it. Um, it's so great to see Jonathan Frakes back as Riker. Uh, and it and and what's good is is this episode. It wasn't just to appease the TNG fans. This was a real story, and it was a great story. Um, good stuff to chew on. And that reveal that he was actually Tom Riker when he pulls that beard off and has that smile is just awesome um i really would have loved to see a follow-up episode on this where we get to see what happens to tom Riker uh when he was imprisoned on cardassia but for those people who don't really have a problem with canon versus non-canon go read Enzadi 2 by peter david because you'll find out and it's pretty awesome cool bill okay i have i say wow it must be my turn um well i mean frakes I mean, that's really all you have to say with this episode. I love that we get a follow-up to Tom Riker, and I love that it makes us think about what Will Riker might have done had he not been aboard the Enterprise as Picard's first officer. Because on some level, they're the same person, or at least they were until that that transporter mishap. So it, it makes me wonder what kinds of things Will Riker thinks about the Cardassians and this particular conflict. So I think there's a lot to chew on here. I think this is a definite see it pulled off really well. And the scenes between Nana and Jonathan are, are fantastic, as you would imagine they would be. And I got to agree with you guys. Um, we got stuff when the Araya system, which is a key plot point in the Deep Space Nine story at this point. And of course, you got the Riker switcheroo. I mean, how can you not love the Riker switcheroo? It is a definite see it. Uh, Camp Kittimer on this one, 96% in agreement. So once again, unanimity prevails uh, for the most part, except for one malcontent. I'll be talking to you later, dude. I'll find out who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, we are. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, guys, one thing that actually we have been asked in email, Bill, if you recall, is in this episode, there's a very curious scene that takes place. And that's when O'Brien and Riker get see each other for the first time. And Riker, you know, this is, you know, he doesn't want to talk to O'Brien. He says, I think you know why. And O'Brien just kind of says, oh, right. OK. And kind of walks off. We never saw any discord between the two. And if it was Riker just doing it to kind of steer O'Brien away, that's one thing. But O'Brien acts as if something really did happen. And it would have been kind of interesting to see what that was if there was something. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think we know there wasn't something. I mean, uh, Tom Riker does this on purpose because he's totally trying to throw O'Brien off. And O'Brien's a non-com. I mean, he's not going to step up to the first officer of the flagship and go, what the hell are you talking about? O'Brien's gotcha. like, okay. uh, yeah, uh, right. Sorry, sir. Yep. Because okay. that's really his only recourse at this point. And gotcha. he's probably walking away from this going, I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
as a former enlisted man, shut up, take it and move on. That's the, gotcha. that's yeah. the order of the day. Yeah, right. totally. So I, I think that that pretty much explains that scene. And, and uh, kudos to uh, to the writers for, for actually throwing something like that in, because that's the first question people would have asked. All right. Episode 10, Peldar Joy. The Bajoran Gratitude Festival is in full effect, and members of the crew and guests suddenly become infatuated with one another. Bill, are you full of joy for this episode? Uh, I'm full of joy for this episode, but not for Dan. Uh, this one is a see it for me. <laughs> and and I would like to point out that so far in 10 episodes, I have not had a single skip it. Um at some point, that train's going to come to a screeching halt. But uh, for now, I'm going to enjoy the ride. I love this episode just for the Odo Loaxana stuff. I, I like that these two characters have built a relationship. The previous episode from them was just, it was wonderful. It evoked a lot of emotion. And this one actually puts them in a kind of a different place. And to watch the reactions from Renee as Odo are, is just is priceless. It's gold. The story itself isn't the best. But... For these character interactions and the things that it adds to both Odo and the Loxana, I say this one for me as a see it. Dan? Peace and joy to you, friend. It's almost the red hour. <laughs> wrong episode. <laughs> wrong, wrong festival. Sorry. Sorry. Wrong shows. Wrong festivals. Uh, just, uh, but we always appreciate it. a deep cut. It's good. Yeah, I appreciate do. that. Thank you. I appreciate your appreciation. Um, yeah, this is a see it for me, too. And it's funny because as people who have listened to the show... I've always said I'm not a big fan of the Waxana episodes, but as I as I watch these, it, they must have just been the TNG ones that I wasn't really happy with because I've so far loved the ones that she's in DS9. Um, and we get to see the characters in a different element, you know, interacting with different people in different ways. And that's kind of fun. You like to see that that change up. So, yeah, this is a see it for me as well. And for me as well, uh, it has preposterous Jumja sticks, uh, crazy shipper <laughs> fanfic. I enjoyed it. I thought it was just uh, a good a good time was had by all. But uh, I have to tell you, gentlemen, that we are not in alignment with Camp Kittimer. Twenty eight percent of them said this was a see it. Um, everyone else said skip it. Oof. Yeah, and and one commenter says this episode is not so. It's a not so fascinating love farce. Skip. <laughs> wow. I like episodes where the cast gets to get out of their norms, and we get to see them portray aspects of uh, of things that are against character for them. I always find that fun. I think that's probably why I like this episode. Yeah, they get to stretch their acting muscles and and do something a little different, right? Instead of being so ponderous and you know sweating the dominion. So I I I, I enjoyed it. All right, let's uh, take a turn, though, uh, now that we've had some something light, and let's dive deep into Past Tense Part 1. A freak transporter accident sends Cisco, Bashir, and Dax three centuries into a dark time in Earth's past, just before the Bell Riots. Um, Dan, what do you say? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest. I used to not like this two-parter. And I've said it before, and Bill's always been surprised when I've said it. But now I think it's one of the best, not only of Deep Space Nine, but of but of all of Star Trek. So it is a see it for me. This is a an amazing timeline story, um, which shows what unfortunately could become reality here on Earth a lot sooner than some people realize, which is kind of a sad situation. But it's a great episode. There's there's a lot of meaning to this episode. It is the definition of what Star Trek is all about. I absolutely love it. So it's a see it. And Bill, I want you to say it. Come on, man. Those two words, you love saying it. So let's start off right with that. Here we go. This is from Matt McGonagall. Gabriel Bell. 
<laughs> what, what, what is actually happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, lots of lots of deep cuts on, on the Trek Geeks end, I assure you. Um, this episode for me is an absolute see it. I think this is essential Deep Space Nine. And this episode is kind of what Star Trek is all about. It's taking an aspect of modern day politics and examining it. I mean, at the time they were making this episode, they found out that this was the kind of thing that was actually being considered. You know, it was sort of art imitating life before it ever happened. So I um, I think it's a great story. I think it's told well. I think it leaves the cliffhanger to an interesting space because somebody has to be Gabriel Bell. And hey, why not Benjamin Sisko? So uh, this one's a see it for me, for sure. Well, <clears throat> maybe I'm stepping on a grenade here. Um, I, I have problems with episodes that are people from the future are coming to save us. Um, I, I find something very anti Star Trek in that message, right? Because to me, Star Trek is optimism about the future and the whole idea that, well, these people from the future have to come back to set us on the right course or, or, and I realize it's not intentionally, they're not intentionally coming back to do that, but you know, the, the guy from the future has to help save us. I, I find that stuff just problematic. I, I always want these episodes to, to be about us sorting ourselves out. And building that future, I, I, I find that to be a very strong Star Trek message. And I felt that, you know, Cisco having to do it sort of diminishes this idea that it's us that gets to the future. It's it's the guy from the future who comes back and helps make it happen. I always find that problematic, um, but it's an essential episode for sure. So it, it is definitely a see it, but uh, I do have some problems with it. And I will tell you that Cam Kittimer is totally in agreement that it's a see it. I can understand that uh, the, the way you feel about that. I look at it from the perspective of Gabriel Bell wouldn't have died if if Cisco and Bashir hadn't been there in the first place. So they kind of had to fix what they broke in a way because their presence kind of threw everything off. But I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, and I and I get that, right? But I mean, that's the problem you get into with time travel episodes because you, if you think, well, then they came back in time, so then he became Bell, but then wasn't it always Bell to begin with? Or I mean, wasn't Cisco always Bell then if he came back and did that? I, I don't know. <laughs> it makes my brain all hurdy, and it's far too early in the morning, and I've, I haven't had nearly enough coffee to get my brain wrapped around it. So <laughs> let's continue with another time travel episode, Past Tense Part Two. Cisco assumes the role of a pivotal historical figure in order to restore the time timeline. Bill. Thank you. I think that um, I, I like the second half of this. I think the hostage scenario is done well. I think it provides enough of a challenge. I think the way they they write the rest of this story with what is allegedly history works pretty well in the scope of the script. I enjoy how it resolves overall. And I think Dan is stupid. So it's a see it. That's only because I know what Dan is going to say next. Dan. Wow. Oh, well, <laughs> this uh, as as with the part one originally i wasn't a big fan of this but i've i've come around and it's a definite see it for me i love the fact that they somehow got uh a kid rock to play that guy with the hat <laughs> I, I do have to admit though this is a definite see it and i love it but for me and this is why bill thinks i'm stupid is this episode ending was kind of a letdown for me it wasn't as like oh that's a great way to end the episode as it was um, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but it, it, it's still great. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's still a great episode and it doesn't change my opinion at all, uh, between see it or skip it. Um, I just thought the ending was a little weaker than I would have liked after what we saw for the first episode and two thirds of the, of the, uh, conclusion of past tense. Uh, with that being said, uh, I think my favorite character in this entire two parter, um, was, 
uh, Vin, the old guy played by Dick Miller, who's a great character actor and has been doing things for 60 years. I absolutely love him. He's cantankerous. He kind of reminds me of Bill a little bit. He was just awesome. And I also love not to jump ahead too far, but um, later on down the down the line in Little Green Men, we get to see Gabriel Bell in the historical archives that uh, Nog is looking at. And God, he looks just like Captain Sisko. I love that. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd agree with you guys. It's definitely a see it. Um, and for me, uh, I just found uh, Frank military delightful as Kid Rock. I mean, as uh, Biddle <laughs> in the episode, I just thought uh, his performance was just so great. And um, it's uh, it's a good episode. But, you know, my, my other problem, I think, with the whole two-parter, I think, is the premise of it. I just found a little weak. Um, and I, maybe I should have brought that up in part one. But the idea that we're on a Federation ship in Federation space, transporting down to Earth. I mean, this. how many times do you think that happens in a day? 16 quadrillion times a day? And we have some freak accident sending people back in time? I don't know. I, I found the whole thing a little weird. But it definitely a see it, and Camp Kittimer is in agreement. Let's move on. Episode 13. We will see if 13 is lucky or unlucky in a moment. Episode Life Support. Bashir's ethics are put to the test as he keeps Vedic Barail alive long enough to help Kai Win complete negotiations for a final peace settlement with Cardassians. Dan, what do you think? You know, it's amazing. We are now at the halfway point of season three, and we have yet to have a skip it. That's unbelievable. Oh, wait. Now we do. Yeah. Skip it. <laughs> this is my first skip it of season three. I have never been a Barail fan. Um, and I know that this episode has a lot more meaning than just Brile and what happens to him, but it just completely takes me out of the episode. I'm not a big fan of it. And the way he is at the end of this episode, I kind of expected him to look at Kira and do something just like Lal, like, I love you, Kira, and then just done. But that doesn't, <laughs> we, we don't get to see that, unfortunately. But yeah, unfortunately, it has to happen. First episode of the season where it's a skip it for me. Bill? You know, um, up until now, Dan, we've been in complete accord with our picks. We've been 12 for 12 for See It. And um, I'd like to say that this also is my first skip it of the season. And oh. in ke- keeping in true Bill Smith tradition, it's also my Uh-oh. meh <laughs> of the season. Meh. And my only comment is this. Switch him the f*** off already. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean... It's the Barile. People think the guy in Meridian was cardboard. Barile has shown all the depth of a Daisy air rifle with a bad CO2 cartridge. Whoa. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I hate Barile, and I'm so glad they killed him off in this episode. I, I'm, I, I don't like what it means for Kira, but he's just he wasn't that compelling a character and not strong enough. To, I think to be the love interest of Kieran Reese, who is an amazingly strong character. So um, this episode bores me. Uh, the, the the negotiations really aren't that interesting um, because they kind of already have a treaty. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a definite skip it for me. This episode sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I can't breathe. <laughs> breathe. I love Barile. I love Kira and Barile. I ship it. I ship it bigly. Um, having said that, <laughs> I I do not ship this episode. Um, Interesting. I, I because I I like the fact that you have this wonderful comparison to Kai Win, who was like you know I mean that she is like hate embodied in a person, right? She's yeah. like this devious 
person. I mean, I don't think she actually believes any of that hooey that she's talking about the prophets. She's just a, a, a complete political creature who's in it for herself. And it was really nice to have a foil of, of someone who I, I think actually had some genuine peace and was trying to, to, to live as far as we can figure out in accordance with whatever Bajoran religious beliefs are and, and had that sense of serenity around him. I, I kind of enjoyed him as a, as a foil for, for Kai Wynn um, in a lot of ways. So I, I did enjoy that part of it. I, I would say see the episode, uh, but I didn't enjoy the whole Star Trek does Frankenstein part of it. Um, so yeah. I, I, I didn't like the way he ended. Um, but I can tell you that um, surprisingly, Camp Kittimer was 44%. Uh, so just about halfway saying, got to see it. Although one uh, commenter says, I am, I'm only watching the episode because I want to make sure he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wow. all in on that. Yeah. <laughs> and that was not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so speaking of Lerv stories, let's move on to episode 14, Heart of Stone. When Kira's life is put in jeopardy, Odo expresses the depth of his feelings for her. Meanwhile, back on the station, Nog requests a letter of recommendation to Starfleet in an unexpected move from Commander Sisko. So, uh, Bill, Heart of Stone, what do you say? You know, I actually love this episode. Um, it, it's it's interesting to me. I think that Rene Aubergenois turns in his best performance as Odo to date when he thinks that, that Kira is dying. I mean, the reveal at the end isn't a surprise to me. I kind of figured out that that's where it was going halfway through. But I think it's executed extremely well. And to see the way that Odo finally pours his heart out to not Kira is pretty great. Plus, I really like the B story in this episode. I think it's solid. It gives great development for Nog. And the scenes between he and Cisco are really kind of fantastic. So this one's an absolute see it for me. Dan? Yeah, absolute see it. I said earlier that um, uh, um, Kira gives, or excuse me, Nanagi is one of her best performances in Second Skin, but this is another one of her best performances. This is a definite see it. I love both of these characters in this episode. Kira and Odo um, are are amazing, or Renee and Nanai, I should say, I keep flip-flopping the names, but uh, this is a great and another great example of what the founders are capable of doing to get the information they want on how to defeat the Federation or to how, how to get Odo back depends on, you know, which one is more important to them. It seems to be in this episode. Um, and I got to say that maniacal smile on quote Kira's face when she realizes that Odo knows that she's not Kira and she morphs out of the crystal. That's just, that's just, you know, hair standing up on your arm and, and you get a chill down your spine. It's just great. And like Bill said, the B story in this with Nog and wanting to go to Starfleet is an, is it, it sets in motion more of Nog's incredible character development. And we've talked, Nog has probably one of the greatest character arcs in the entire series. And this really sets it in motion. And just like Bill said, that scene where he keeps passing the Latinum back to Cisco and Cisco keeps passing it back to Nog is, is hilarious and shows that whole mindset of the Federation uh, of the uh, Ferengi and, and profit and bribes and stuff like that. It's it, there's nothing about this episode to dislike in my opinion. I have some stuff to dislike. So uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you that the Nog stuff is fantastic. Um, and that definitely is a, a big plus for the episode. Although the one thing I would say is that, you know, if he's going to, 
decide to join Starfleet, you figure he would have done like five minutes of 24th century Googling to figure out the correct way to do it. And uh, walking into a commander's office with uh, a bunch of money and passing it to him was probably not the right idea. So, you know, I I think he should have done five minutes worth of research, but uh, that's okay. I I can forgive that. But uh, generally, I just don't like mind fake episodes. You know, it goes back to those Tommy, that Tommy Westfall thing we were talking about. Um, I give it a marginal skip um for the oh. other reason yeah i know well here here's the other reason is that i think when you binge star trek it changes how you perceive the episodes this is something bill and i talked about when he was on my show i think yeah. um coming right off the episode where kira's love interest dies then odo is immediately you know right then going to start professing his love for her. I, I just, I thought that would just be awkward. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just coming off the episode where the love interest dies and then Odo is professing his love for her. I, I just didn't, I, I don't know. I just found it problematic and weird. Um, marginal skip for me. And I'm in the minority on that one. Uh, Camp Kittimer, 84% in agreement as see it. So I am certainly the odd man out. Don't hate me. Uh, but if you want to yell at me, come at me, bro. It's all good. All right. <laughs> I don't Let's, think anybody can hate you for that explanation because it's it's reasoned. And I mean, you know why you dislike it. It's not just that episode sucks, like I said, uh, for life support. So <laughs> kudos to you, man. Oh, thank I you. Hate you. As, <laughs> but I love you. Uh, it's, it's all. And remember, all Star Trek episodes are above average. That's yes. right. True. So let's move on to Destiny, episode 15. All right. Despite a Bajoran prophecy of destruction, Cisco assists in a joint scientific venture with the Cardassians to open communications through the wormhole to the Gamma Quadrant. Uh, Dan, what do you say? Well, <clears throat> this is this is the or one of the episodes of the season where I'm giving it a barely you've seen, you've done a bunch of barely skip it, which I don't want to talk to you about. Um, but this is a barely see it for me. Um, <laughs> it has, it has just enough in this episode to pique my interest, but I got to be honest, if I had to choose between watching this and another episode of deep space nine, the other episode of deep space nine would have to be really, really bad for me to choose this one over that one. So, um, yeah, it's 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 marginally see it, but it is a great episode that shows that any prophecy, whether it's Bajoran, human, or anything in real life or in Star Trek, can be, you know, kind of twisted to to make it work no matter what you want to do. It, just the way that prophecies are worded, they're so vague that they can be they can be you know believed by anybody if they put their own twist to it a certain way i think that was pretty smart about this episode but it's just barely see it for me bill i um i it's interesting because um we've been through 14 episodes now and we've been in complete agreement on our ratings until now this oh. one i know it's taken until episode 15 i mean we're we're past the halfway point this one is a definite see it uh, sorry skip it for me the destiny oh. is a skip it and my description is, wait for it, meh. This, um, there is really nothing all that interesting in this episode to me. Um, uh, Dan, you bring up a good point. I mean, uh, they should have called this episode Eye of the Beholder, but I think that's already been mm. taken. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So, and mainly because uh, people are going to read what they want to into a thing anyway. So um, I understand what they were trying to do with this episode. It just didn't resonate with me. So for me, it's a skip it. John? I am in agreement with you, Bill. Um, give it a skip. 
I do have to say I really enjoyed the guest stars, and I really enjoyed the fact that we are seeing that the Cardassians are not a monoculture. Um, yeah. that there's different kinds of Cardassians that have different interests besides, you know, the glory of Cardassia. So I, I, I enjoyed that part of it. So that uh, ameliorates my uh, dislike for the episode, but uh, too much Bajoran prophecy mumbo jumbo. Um, give it a skip. Let's take a look at Camp Kittimer. 76% said see it. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. Let's move on to profit motive. Quark discovers that Grand Nagus Zek has written a new virtuous and benevolent set of the rules of acquisition, which would put an end to traditional Ferengi ways. Bill, what do you say about profit motive? You know, I think we're getting into the part of the season where I think that some of the scripts aren't as strong as they were in the first half. Um, this one for, this is my second skip it in a row, believe it or not. Um, this episode just doesn't hold my interest, not just because it's a Ferengi episode, but because I believe that this whole new virtuous and benevolent set of rules of acquisition just doesn't work for me as, as, a, as a plot point. Um, so for me, Dan, it's a skip it big time, buddy. Wow, two skippets in a row for Deep Space Nine season three from Bill. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to join you because uh, <laughs> it's not two in a row for me, but this is a skip it for me. You know, I talked a little while ago about the Ferengi episodes in Deep Space Nine really are, have a lot of a lot of meat to them and are good, but I just don't like this episode. It's a skip it. Um, I I think it's a bad idea. The whole idea of the story, like you just said, Bill, just doesn't work at all. And I got to say, uh, I love Wallace Shawn. I love what he does as Zek. His voice is annoying in every episode, but in this episode, he annoys the freaking crap out of me. And I, I don't know if it's because he's under the influence of the of the prophets or whatnot, but I just can't stand him in this episode. It's the only one where I'm this like eh, about him, but I am, and and I don't like it. And that's the way it is. <clears throat> well. I have to tell you, I am 100% on the Wallace Shawn train, and I will <laughs> absolutely not have any nonsense about that because we love Wallace Shawn <laughs> up in here, yo. And just every time I hear him go, Quark, I just, I love it. Quark, I, I love it. I just absolutely love it. And uh, you, you know, Wallace Shawn, if he's in the episode doing Grand Nagus, I'm on board. So it is a definite see it for me. Plus, wow. uh, if memory serves, this is the one where Rom ends up uh, extorting from him. So you got a little bit, uh, or stealing from him. So a little bit of uh, Rom development there. So that was kind of nice. Uh, definitely a see it for me. But I can tell you that Camp Kittimer was uh, roughly divided 56% in favor of the episode. And uh, <laughs> one of the couple of the verbatims here, got to get those stem bolts, see it. And uh, at least it ha- at least it has an orb. Skip it. So there you go. <laughs> oh, oh nice. mommy, make the bad man stop, John. You're killing me. <laughs> All right, let us move on to Visionary episode seventeen. Exposure to magical plot. Trek the Trek, tech the tech thing causes O'Brien to jump five hours into the future for brief periods as Deep Space Nine hosts Romulan and Klingon delegations. Dan, what do you say about Visionary? Well, this is a see it for me. Um, I love the episode. I I love the whole idea of O'Brien and the time travel and what he's seeing. And and I got to say, though, it's kind of a mind bleep that our O'Brien dies and the future O'Brien becomes our O'Brien. So basically O'Brien's dead when you want to really come down to it. Um, 
but uh, it works so perfectly in this episode and I love it. So it's visionary. I can see that visionary is a definite see it, Bill. Ouch. That was just painful. Yeah, it's You're not kid- as bad as a Farkism, though. No, That's okay. No, it's 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 right there at one A. Uh, it's you know. <laughs> um, any episode that sees O'Brien going through something weird is one I'm all in on. Uh, I think that you know, Dan, you mentioned the the O'Brien dies and O'Brien takes over. I think this episode does that more effectively than Voyager did with Harry Kim dying and Harry Kim taking True. over. So, uh, right. the, I, although I think I know how John is going to rate this one, I'm going to rate it a see it, Mister John. Skip. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> Saw it coming a mile you know, away. T- time loops make my head hurt. And uh, this is another episode that, and I said this before about one of the earlier ones, is that it just felt like a TNG episode. It it didn't feel sure. DS90 enough for me. Um, and I don't know what that means, but I, I just felt like this was one of these scripts that was sitting around from the TNG era that they just took off. And they're like, oh, let's do this one. You know, I, I, I enjoyed Colmini. I enjoy O'Brien. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm still bitter that he sent Keiko away. I don't know. I can't figure it out. So that was a, that was a skip uh, for me. But uh, <clears throat> Camp Kittimer is 76% in agreement that you should see this episode. Let's move on to Distant Voices. Julian Bashir is subjected to a telepathic attack by an alien seeking biomimetic gel, a restricted substance. Bill, Distant Voices, what do you say? Meh. <laughs> I uh it's it, this episode just it, it doesn't work for me really on any level. Um I have a hard time with age makeup in Star Trek because I find that more often than not it doesn't work. Um because I still see a a 30 something year old actor behind it who is trying to appear like they're 85. And, and Dr. Pulaski. For, yeah, and it just takes me right out of it. So, uh this one for me is a skip it. It's 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 a forgettable episode lar- largely. And um, eh, eh, it, it's uh, when I I want to talk about this episode. That's really all I can muster is nonsensical grunts. So uh, skip it, Dan. Well, Bill, you have every season you have an episode, or in this case, so far three that your tagline is meh. Where with me, every season of See It or Skip It that we've done, I've had one where I have absolutely no recollection of the episode whatsoever. And this is that episode for season three. <laughs> I even read the, I read this, the summary on, on, uh, uh, memory alpha. No idea. Nope. No recollection whatsoever. I can't say anything about it. So skip it. Can't be that important. Wow. That's, that's kind of surprising. I, I at least yeah, remember I, I that know. it was a suck fest. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take uh, this episode and punch it in the face. Nice. <laughs> feel like that about Bill all the time. Uh, Get right the hell out of here with your Reed Richards, Polly Walnuts, White Wall hairstyle on Bashir. <laughs> it made me burst out laughing. Oh, man. Oh my God. That was good. <laughs> You're saying you have no strong feelings, John. Oh, man. And, and so and, and Cam Kittimer, though, 60 percent said, watch it, which is amazing to me. So I, I must not be in alignment with the group there. Well, every wow. now and then Cam Kittimer throws us for a loop. And and, mm-hmm. and this is one of those times uh, I get that people like it. I mean, there's got to be something that uh, and again, maybe they can hit us on the Twitters or the Facebooks and let us know why or even in the Camp Kittimer. And um, but yeah, I just I don't see it for this episode at all. Yeah, I, I I don't either, but that's all right. You know, remember, all the episodes are above average. All right, let's move on to episode 19, Through the Looking Glass. Cisco is convinced by Smiley O'Brien from the Mirror Universe to assume the role of the dead Cisco in the Mirror Universe. Dan, what do you say about Through the Looking Glass? 
Anybody who knows me knows how I feel about the mirror universe. This is a see it for me, but it's not the best of the mirror universe episodes. There's some good stuff in here though. I, I do like a lot of what's going on. We get to see Jennifer and we get to see the character. Um, cause we never really got to see her before, but she's very different than what Ben remembers obviously in his universe um we get to see mirror tuvok which was a great little throw into voyager on deep space nine which i absolutely thought was wonderful we don't get to see that a whole lot and we talk about whether it's just appeasing the fans or not. i just like the fact that they just threw him in there um and to me this sets up a couple of other episodes that are going to take place in the mirror universe in a great way so it's it's not Oh my God, this is Mirror Universe. I love it. I'm going to watch it 50 times in a row, but it is still something that I, I will watch. So I gave it a see it. Bill? You know, I think that for me, this is one of the weaker Mirror episodes, and I just, I don't like the concept. I don't think Jennifer's that compelling a character, um, and she definitely proves it in this episode. I um, I think that one of the one of the, the downfalls of Deep Space Nine is I think they went back to the Mirror Universe well a little too often. And I think it cheapened the the whole experience of the Mirror Universe. It wasn't as shocking. It wasn't as off-putting as it was in, say, the very first time they did it or in Mirror Mirror back in TOS. So it just it leads me to believe that just because it's Mirror doesn't necessarily mean it's good. And I think that this episode definitely lives up to that. So for me, it's a skip it. Oh, it's not good when you look in the mirror, maybe. Uh, no. Boy. Oh yeah, sick <laughs> sick burn, dude. Sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh for me, I um I did not want to take this episode and punch it in the face, but my view about the mirror universe in Star Trek is that it's like wasabi, a little dabble do ya. Um if you if you get too much, it uh, kind of overpowers the dish. But I will say that Intendant Kira always makes me happy, so it is a see it for me only because I love me Intendant Kira. And uh <laughs> although one of the comments here from Camp Kittimer, <clears throat> Jennifer Colon, dull in any universe, skip. Yes, that's what so, I'm saying. So somebody out there is in alignment with you, uh, Bill. And I, and you know, I got to say, I, I I'd agree with that critique. And I, you know, I always want to be soft on the on the on the actors, you know. I, but I don't know if it was the direction or something. But I never bought the chemistry between uh, Jennifer and, and and Ben. I I just never bought it at all. So Ow. yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's that was a great that's great, man. I'm gonna make that a ringtone for you. All yeah, right. totally. 72 percent <laughs> was uh in favor of this episode. All right, moving on up like George and Wheezy. Episode 20, Improbable Cause. Garrick's tailor shop is bombed, forcing Odo to investigate who is trying to kill the Cardassian and why. Bill, what say you? Improbable cause. Uh I, I think it's improbable that somebody would hate this episode. I think it's a see it. I love Garrick's stories, and this conflict between him and Odo is worth it. How they get to the end of this episode is pretty fantastic to me and what it sets up for essentially what is part two. Um, I, I absolute see it. Um, I don't want to take away from Dan's thunder because I know he's going to drop an impression, and uh, it's worth it alone. So, Dan... <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, this is this is essential viewing for not only fans of Deep Space Nine, but for Star Trek and the whole Dominion arc, because there's stuff that takes place in part. Actually, we could call it part one, even though it's not really part one, um, because the next episode really ties with this. Um, It's amazing. You need to watch it. You need to rewind it, watch it again, rewind it and watch it again. It's just that good. It's amazing. And I got to say it. 
You blew up your own shop, Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was worth that's uh, I like that more than my Gabriel Bell. That was fantastic. Very good. Very good. Um, and for me, guys, it is a definite see it. Paul Dooley as an Auburn Tain is always excellent. Oh. Garrick is so much fun. Uh, and, you know, expl- and as someone in Camp Kenimer said, Garrick's business is blowing up. See it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. 92% in favor. Um, who is that person that is didn't want to see this? I, uh, you're on double secret probation, man. I'm sorry. All right. <clears throat> Moving on along, the die is cast. The part to the unnamed part two, or the I don't know what what we say the uh, not explicitly labeled part two of this two parter. The die is cast. Episode twenty one. Garrick reluctantly tortures Odo for information. Uh, an Abrantain in a joint venture between the Talshiar and the Obsidian Order orders an attack on the founders in the Omerian Nebula. Dan, what do you say about the die is cast? I want to go home to the great link. I love it. Oh my God. It's such a good episode. Um, if, if nothing other than Renee's performance as Odo, Andrew Robinson is a freaking genius in this episode. You get to see Garrick in his real element and it is done with absolute perfection. Um, I love the idea of they are, um, allowed to escape because no changeling has ever harmed another yet. Um, that whole aspect was amazing. And, and on a, on a visual standpoint, this is the episode where the special effects on deep space nine really started to take off. Those battle scenes were beautiful. And there is, again, if there's another person who says, skip it for this episode, like the one person did for improbable cause, I might not be able to contain my rage. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Other than that, no strong feelings. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think you're saying it's a see it. I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, we really do learn a lot about Garrick and this scene where Odo is tortured is just, it, it's riveting and heartbreaking and gut wrenching. And it's, it, it's like Dan, it's like you said, it's, it's perfection. It's, it's these two actors really just give amazing performances and, and all of the other stuff makes this an absolute see it hands down. Um, and yeah, I, I can't say enough about this because it's this sort of non two-parter two-parter really is key at this point of the season and in the Dominion arc. And I, I'd agree with both of you. This is a must. It's not only a see it, it's a must see it. We got yeah. tricksy, crafty founder stuff. We have beautiful scenes between Garrick and Odo. And, you know, if there's just a, a beautifully acted scene, uh, in an episode where actors are just firing on all cylinders, I can forgive a lot. And this episode didn't even need any forgiveness because uh, the scenes were just so good and the episode was just so good. So it is a definite see it for me. And Camp Kittimer, uh, strangely enough, only 96%. So again, there's uh, someone out there who said skip it, which was amazing to me. So wow. yeah, which is, is, it's amazing because this is like a critical linchpin episode for, yes. for the Dominion in this uh, in this season. So very, yeah. very interesting. All right, let us move on and let us talk about Explorers. Certainly a interesting and uh, more standalone type episode. Cisco builds a replica of an ancient Bajoran space vessel and with Jake attempts to prove that the Bajorans developed interste- interstellar travel before the Cardassians. Bill, Explorers, what do you say? Yeah, I kind of like where this story is placed in the season. Uh, I think if it had been the front half, I might not have enjoyed it as much, but I think it's a nice downshift 
for what happens the rest of the way. Um, I, I, it's a story that that may seem throwaway to some, but I think it's a great father-son episode, and I really think it's kind of worth a watch. It tells you something about Benjamin and Jake, and Benjamin and Jake. So for me, this one is a see it. Dan? Yeah, we uh, we share the same feelings on this one, man. I gave this one a see it. It's a it's really a great family Cisco episode. The one the one dig I have on it, it's not really a dig, um, is Cisco's commander of a space station, and he's got so many things going on. When did he have time to build this thing? We never saw him building it before, and then all of a sudden it's built. Whoa, hello. But anyway, I digress. Um, I love how the boys, so to speak, go on this journey together. Um, I think it's a great, great bonding episode for them. And I got to admit, this is the first appearance of one of the most essential and amazing aspects of Deep Space Nine. It's something that just has been missing for the first two and three quarter seasons. Um, it's going to be with us from now until the end. So that's that makes my heart very, very warm and happy. I'm talking about, of course... Cisco's goatee. It's awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice, Dan. So for me, this is, again, one of these episodes where when binging it, it just makes the episode really problematic. And we've just come off this uh, this whole warfare thing. We've had this big battle uh, with the Dominion, uh, you know, and it, it, while the Federation wasn't directly involved in it, it was this whole battle. And like, there's all this major stuff going on, you know, major pivotal things happening. And we go back to the station and Cisco's like, yeah, the universe is exploding, but I'm going to be taking a month off to build a spaceship for like, you know, for funsies. I, you know, I, I just, I couldn't get my head wrapped around it. And when you binge the episode, it's really jarring. Um, it, it, whereas if I was just like turning on the TV and this episode was on, I would watch it and enjoy it uh, because it has a lot to enjoy and it's uh, it's fun in so many ways and, and it's a really great father-son episode. But when you try to take these episodes as a whole in a sequence, it's weird and very problematic. And so for that reason, I'm going to give it a skip it. Uh, and I have to tell you that uh, Camp Kittimer said see it. So there you go. All right. Family business, episode 23 of season three. Quark returns to his home planet to confront his mother, the lovely Moogie, after hearing from the Ferengi Commerce Authority that she broke the law by earning profits. Dan, family business, what do you say? Moogie. I knew you were going to do that. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you knew. (laughs) I'm going to give this one a see it. It is a, it's a border. Well, not a borderline, but it's just, just enough to make it a see it for me. Um, I'm really starting to like the Ferengi episodes. Like I said, even though I didn't like the last one with, uh, with Zek, uh, much to John chagrin, but, um, I, I like this. This is the first time that that the Ferengi homeworld is called Ferenginar. It's the first time we see it, and I would never want to visit such a rainy place ever in my life. But it's got enough story to it for me to really enjoy it. You get to find out how backwards Ferengi society is with how they treat females, um, more so than we've we've heard about in the past. So I like this one. I gave this one a see it. Bill? See, I look at Ferenginar as essentially Seattle with a lot fewer man buns. Oh, um, <laughs> Uh, I, that's really what we're talking about here. I would visit yeah. Ranganar. I mean, uh, but I don't know that I want to visit this episode too often. For me, this one's a skip it. I think that there are already too many Ferengi episodes this season. This is the third or the fourth. And and I'm as much as I love Quark, I don't necessarily love Ferengi lore. So, um, so yeah, I just, it, this episode doesn't work for me. 
it's it's not that it's not an entertaining story. It's just it's uh, I'm I'm kind of got Frankie burnout at this point. So uh, skip it. That, that's fair, Bill. I get it. Um, it's a see it for me, uh, mostly because I just love the guest stars. I, I love Moogie and I love Brunt. Uh, I just Brunt. I, I loved them. I thought they were just uh, really delightful in their roles, and I I also appreciated in this episode that we are treating the Ferengi as an actual race and not as the caricatures that they were in probably all of TNG. Um, so I, I did enjoy the fact that we get some depth to them. Um, so I, I did rather enjoy it. So it's a see it for me. But uh, Camp Kittimer uh, was 64% in favor of the episode. Uh, one of the comments was want to skip, but can't see it. So there you go. <laughs> I say uh, hold out and skip it. That's just me, though. It's all good, man. All right. Episode 24, Shakar. Kai Wynn needs Kira to convince her former resistance leader, Shakar, now a farmer on Bajor, to return soil reclamators needed elsewhere in Rakantha province, uh, which used to be Bajor's most productive agricultural reason, uh, region. Bill, what do you say about Shakar? Well, here it is. I think I may have eclipsed a personal best. Um, wow. And this is the fourth meh of the season. I um I don't think I've ever had four before. I could be wrong, but if I, if I do, it's probably TNG season seven because that that season's just dreadful. Um, I, th- I there's just there's nothing here that I enjoy about this. I think it's a weak episode. I don't think it belongs this far down in in the the season. Um, knowing what happens after this, um, I, I think it's I think this would have been better served for next season because um, Brile's not even cold yet practically. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and body <laughs> body's still warm, guys. Um, um it just it, it really does nothing for me. And I don't like the character of Shakar. Um I still think of uh, of Shakar as the guy from the candle in Sabrosa. So um because it's the same actor. Oh, that's so this right. One for yeah. me, Dan is a skip it. Yeah, we are in total and one hundred percent agreement there, Bill. Uh this is a skip it for me. Uh, I, I just don't like Kira's choices for love interests in Deep Space Nine. I haven't liked any of them so far. Um, I'm not a Shakar fan at all. As a matter of fact, I despise the character of, of Shakar. And that's going to probably really tick off one of our favorite Trek geeks and Camp Kittimer people, Haley, uh, because I know that she loves him. And Larry, uh, she was a guest on your show, I think, uh, episode <laughs> two, if I remember correctly. Um, um, but um, Thanks. <laughs> it's just it's a nice <laughs> it, <laughs> it's a weak episode for me, although Kai Wynn is in it and you love to hate Kai Wynn and Louise Fletcher always is such a strong performer. It doesn't do it enough. It doesn't do it for me to, to, to make this a see it for me. So it's a skip it. For me, it's a marginal see it. Um, Kai, because Kai Wynn is just always something that I really enjoy a uh, little bit of Bajoran politics. You got a couple references to Burial. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it, you know, but I could go either way. I'm, I, I'd be happy to reconsider my thoughts on the episode, but I'd give it a marginal see it. Um, I'm kind of, you know, a little bit meh myself, I guess on it, but I, I I'd watch it and I, I'd recommend it. Uh, one of the comments from Camp Kittimer was Shakar, yet another Boren Bajoran. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. 64% wow. in favor of seeing the episode. Huh? Interesting. All right. Let's move on to episode 25, Facets. 
Jadzia Dax deals with feelings of inferiority as she encounters past hosts in a Trill Ziantara ceremony, which is able to transfer the memories of former hosts into another recipient. Dan, what do you say about Facets? Facets is a great, another great Jadzia story. I love what happens in this episode, but not so much for Jadzia. It's a see it for me, if anything, for Odo being Curzon Dax. He is so great as playing this this guy, and and it's worth the price of admission in itself. The admission that Curzon failed Jadzia from the Trill Initiate program simply because he loved her was a great moment, and I I just loved it. I also like a lot of the crew's experiences as the different uh, uh, Trill. Uh, people that uh, Dax has been uh, joined with, uh, except I just didn't like quarks. And I say that with a smiley face because I've been talking about how good the Ferengi are all episode, but it's a see it for me. Absolutely. Bill. This one's a see it for me as well. I, I like this episode. And as I mentioned before, I like it when we get to see the crew we know step into shoes we don't. And I think that that's where this episode really shines. They all get something to do that is seemingly familiar to us you know visibly as their characters but so different in the scope of how these people act so uh i, I think it's neat I, I like this concept and for me it's a see it so this one was on the edge of a knife for me um and the reason that i was disappointed in the episode in a, in a lot of ways it reminds me of that old saying never meet your heroes you're bound to be disappointed um yeah it it curzon was talked up so much and so consistently and by so many different people. And I just found that actually meeting him was a little bit of a letdown. He just seemed like a boozer to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, but Hey, the Nog stuff was good. Uh, Quark sabotaging his exam. I thought was, uh, interesting stuff. I liked the episode. I, I I'd say see it, but I, I just was a little bit disappointed in the whole Curzon stuff. I, was expecting more and I just didn't get it. But uh, in Camp Kittimer, 76% in favor of seeing the episode for sure. All right. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I um because I think this is an episode people either love or hate, and and to see a, a 76, I expected something more along the lines of straight 50-50 on this one. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, not all. Maybe we can start some uh well, no, let's get on the Facebooks and let's uh let's see if we can hash it out. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I love it. I, I think that there's definitely some some meat there to talk about, and I see how people can go either way. And like I said, I was kind of on the edge of a knife with this one. So, all right, let us talk about the season three finale, episode 26, The Adversary. Ambassador Krajensky informs newly promoted Captain Sisko, way to go, Ben, that there has been a coup on Zenketh. A changeling hides on board the Defiant and sabotages the ship. Bill, tell us what your thoughts are on The Adversary. I think that this episode is essential season three and sets the tone for the rest of the series. Some people say that's strong words. I say they're accurate. And Dan, as you might guess, they're everywhere. So this one's a see it. Ooh, nice. Uh, I like what you did there, Bill. Uh, this is this is a see it underlined exclamation pointed, bolded, uh, super font, whatever you want to say. Um, I agree with you. It sets the tone for the rest of the series. Those are not, those words are perfect because that's exactly what happens. This is actually guys in all seriousness, the episode that made me realize that deep space nine would forever be my favorite star Trek series. We all know what captive pursuit holds for me, but this episode was the one that showed me the 
potential and the amazing story that Deep Space Nine tells. Um, it's amazing from start to finish. I'm just not sure where the Zenkath came from, but that, that I can totally throw that away. Um, Cisco gets the promotion that he has deserved for so long. We get to see the Defiant, as always. I love that. And that final uh, battle scene in the engine room where the changeling just dissolves into ash is amazing. And like Bill said, that chilling ending to the season they are everywhere you're like oh my god what is going to happen next not best of both worlds cliffhanger but still enough that i could not wait for season four to come around it is a see it in every way shape and odo form i'd agree with both you guys it is absolutely a see it um i do want to point out something that i struggled with a little bit as i watched the episode which is at its heart this episode is find the monster and let's all kill it And uh, it just struck me that, well, I was thinking, is that a Star Trek message, right? I mean, compare that to like Devil in the Dark, right? From original series, right? It's let's find the monster and let's all kill it. That goes in a very different way. Um, But I I was just thinking, is that a Star Trek message, right? And so I I did struggle with that a little bit. um, But I thought that uh, how great that the episode gave me that to think about. You know, I I took that to be a positive um, and I enjoyed actually being challenged by that. And uh, so I I don't take that as a criticism. I take it that the episode was going to another level and bringing us a richer meal to sink our incisors into. So there you go. Uh, I don't know why I'm thinking about teeth all of a sudden. Very weird. Um, Anyway. (laughs) There were a lot of Ferengi episodes this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me get my uh, teeth sharpener (laughs) out. Uh, Dan, would you you sharpen them for me? All right. So 96% of people in Camp Kittimer agreed that uh, it is a see it. So wait, n- not a hundred? Wow. No. no. Somebody hates America. My God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I kid. I kid. That's the phrase I use when there's always like one lone holdout and it's it's kind of unbelievable. I don't think anybody truly hates America. Um, wow. That is, that is amazing. And so speaking of sharpening teeth, I'm going to take out my pencil here and do some quick math and regale you boys with some statistics, if you don't mind. Wow, math is hard. The math is hard. Dan, you rated 22 of the 26 season three episodes as see it for a percentage of 84.62, mon frere. That's pretty awesome. I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly the percentage for season two. Um, I thought it might be a little higher. I thought this would be the highest rated one so far of the series that we've done the reviews on. I can guarantee you, though, spoiler alert, that seasons going forward might be higher than this. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, <laughs> this way, you've at least uh, matched your personal best. Uh, there I, you go. I was 19 for 26 for 73.08, a little lower than I expected, but I forgot there were so many Ferengi episodes this season, which probably took down my score. And uh, John, he of Trek Profiles, nice. uh, was 16 of 26 for 61.54%. Is that about where you thought you'd come in or, or um, what do you think? Well, you know, I would say this. It's uh, There were so many of these episodes that were really c- close uh, for me. Um, and I, if, if I was to do another rewatch in a year, I may actually come out very different on it. Um, so I, I think because there was a lot of just episodes that could have gone either way. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's okay. Um, yeah, it's, that's about what I would have thought. But I, I think, like I said, I could probably change up this whole thing if I was probably in a different mood when I watched some of the episodes. I, I felt some of them were that close um, to the middle for me. Sure. And and John, thank you so much for shepherding us through this season. It was fantastic. Please tell everyone where they can find Trek Profiles 
and uh, uh-huh. your, your wonderful podcast that we both just love to listen to. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I am uh, Trek Profiles pretty much everywhere. So if you want to follow my show account on the Twitter, it's at Trek Profiles, uh, facebook.com slash Trek Profiles. And if you want to email me, feedback at trekprofiles.com. Uh, Twitter is probably where I am most active. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking to all of you about the episodes. And I'm also in the Camp Kittimer group. So if you want to reach out to me there, you can do that as well. Excellent. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, we, we should also state a, a wonderful addition to the Tricorder Transmissions family of podcasts. Uh, we love everybody over at Tricorder, present company included, sir. That You're very sweet. That's Absolutely. And I would I would echo Bill's sentiments, uh, John. We really love the show. You've done some amazing work. Your episode one is nowhere near a hostage tape like our episode one. So congratulations on a successful podcast. I am very honored and looking forward to being on your show uh, coming up. As this drops here in the middle of June, we're going to be recording in just a couple of days. And and I really can't wait, man. It's going to be great. I'm so honored to be oh, on the show. thanks guys well it was a real treat for me to to be with you guys and you know i'll continue the lerve fest here um but uh it, it really was a treat for me to be on uh, trek geeks you guys are legends and um i'm happy just to be uh the little part of it uh, that i got to do here so thank you very much for having me what a treat I- i'm the legend dan's just on my coattails wow <laughs> <laughs> oh, i don't even have anything to say about that because it's true And Dan, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't thank our friends, the band Five Year Mission, whose music you hear all throughout the Trek Geeks podcast. And right now you're probably hearing a whole bunch of year four music, which we're pretty excited about. That album recently dropped, and I've been listening to it almost constantly. It is, to say it's just as good as their other albums isn't 100% true, because I think it's even better. And that just means they've raised the bar even higher. Uh, So please head on out to fiveyearmission.net. We want you to download all their music. We want you to become a huge fan because you're not going to be disappointed. This is not a parody band. This is not a band doing goofy songs about Star Trek. They're writing a brand new song for each episode of the original series. And it, it really forces you to look at Star Trek in a different way. I think it enhances my fandom and it certainly makes about, makes me think about these episodes a little differently. So that's five year mission, five year mission.net. Go score yourself some tunes, yo. Yeah, absolutely. It does make you think about the episodes because they write songs with a different angle of what we're used to seeing from the show. So I think that's fantastic. Now, speaking of albums, Bill, I like the fact that you pointed out that you think it's it's a it's maybe even better than the other ones. I tend to agree. I think it's the best one they've done so far. Uh, and that doesn't say anything, you know, belittling the other albums because they're all fantastic. But I got a great idea for the next album. What's that? I really do. It can be just one episode that they do a whole album on you can have guitars made of silicon and you can have musicians boring through solid rock shaggy drummers singing the band's new number one smash no kill i it's devil in the fark (sighs) (sighs) what is that (laughs) you sound like you sound like you're dying from the gym still (laughs) <laughs> well i am <laughs> <laughs> a devil in the fark yeah uh yeah. i i don't know what to do with you no, come on. no i'm gonna kill you that's for sure <laughs> um yeah so that's five mission.net don't pay any attention to dan go get all their songs go get all their albums become a huge five-year mission fan because we are too uh dan I we had some stuff going on last week where we missed an episode and and it kind of screwed up our schedule. So next week yeah. um we're going to get back on track. 
yeah, we're going to get back on track. As Bill mentioned, you know, keep listening after we're done talking and you hear the music and the ba-da-ba-ba-ba-buzz and all that stuff because you'll find out why we actually uh, did not get to record last week. But we were supposed to talk about the USS Enterprise, but fear not, she will be discussed at length next week on Trek Geeks, your independent Star Trek podcast. (laughs) You're still running out of air, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Somebody needs to thump your chest. Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want to remind everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions.com and certainly check out their STLV United Diversity Party. We're so excited for that and we can't wait to attend. And Dan, of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek's yo, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 142 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Galkanet? That's not what we went to Vulcan for, is it? Do they even have coconuts on Vulcan? Hmm. You have to ruin everything. It's what I do. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong! I I can't. I'm too tired. (laughs) Ugh. We just got our asses handed to us at the gym. Oh. And I'm amazed that either of us could click start on the record button. Oh. <laughs> I, I hurt everywhere. That was brutal. Oh, my lungs hurt. Your face is killing me. Boom, boom. But I bang. Go ahead, hit the button. Go ahead. Hey, oh. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. But you know what? It's, it's, I feel like I'm going to die, but it's so worth it. I feel like if it's any consolation, you looked like you were going to die too. I, it was not as bad as a few weeks ago with that, that godforsaken stair climbing thing that I hope the inventor of is burning in hell. But, um, uh, it was pretty brutal. The Versa Climber, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it makes me think of that game, Crazy Climber. Remember that at Fun Fun World or Fun Spot? Fun Spot. That was a fun game. I like that game. Now I don't like that game because I've done it uh, for real. And it's- <laughs> makes it, When you're on that Versa Climber, it makes me think of Donkey Kong. I'm not sure why. <laughs> so, <sighs> as uh, people who listen to Trek Geeks will know, we missed last week because... Huh. Um, I had a travel snafu. A little bit. So I'm in Durham, North Carolina, um, Sunday before this past one. And I had brunch with a friend from high school I hadn't seen in over 30 years. It was a it was a great time. Um, and my wife and I are driving around Durham just sort of seeing the place. We headed over by Duke University. Because um, yeah, we'd never been to Durham before. Uh, we're actually having brunch over by the old Durham Bulls baseball park. Ah. Where the movie Bull Durham was filmed, which exactly. is 30 years old as of this week, by the way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we're driving around, and uh, we get a text from Southwest Airlines at 1 p.m. It says our flight has been canceled. Canceled? Canceled outright. Not, not just delayed. Nope. 
That's nice of them. Cancel. Come to find out it was due to severe weather moving across the mid-Atlantic. And we found out hours later um, about that weather. So um, we couldn't book another flight because um, my wife had to be at work Monday morning. And we couldn't go another airline because it was going to cost us like 1200 bucks a head. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. And it's like, well, for 75 bucks, we can rent a car. Well, there you go. And so we turned in the gas guzzling SUV, which was the only rental car left when we got in to, to Raleigh and traded it for a Toyota Camry and uh, began the drive home. And we got to about uh, eh, Southern New Jersey and we hit that that band of really oh. severe thunderstorms big time and yeah now i understand why they canceled the flight it was bad wow wow yeah because we're our, our connector was in baltimore yeah so they canceled both our flight to baltimore and then our connector to new hampshire so um it sucked at the time i i loathe long car rides but you know with a passion mm. but um my wife and i made the best of it and um, we made it home at about four o'clock in the morning did you sing songs while you were driving? Uh, like, no. Like the Flintstones theme, maybe? No, but I will say, thank God for Google Play Music, because <laughs> we were streaming stuff uh, the whole way home. You could. Did you get any good ideas for the Friday commute celebration? Maybe. Oh, okay, good. Looking forward to it. Maybe. Okay. Uh, you know, um, I, I, some of these I can't tell you about, because you may be surprised by some of them. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I was uh, I was driving home from the gym, um, wishing you a, a painful death for making me go there every week. <laughs> Just kidding. And George I think Michael- I'm experiencing that painful yeah. death right now. <laughs> George Michaels, I want your sex came on uh, Sirius XM. And I'm sitting there thinking, huh, that might be one. <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah. week that you were on vacation in July. Mm-hmm. I will have a special guest, and I'm not going to say who it is. Oh, boy. Um, and that special guest has already brought me the song that is going to be used and is also uh, arranging for props and maybe Whoa. costumes. What? what? Yep, wow. costumes. I don't, is it, why do people try to top Flat Dan and the mini guitar? I don't think it's a question of topping. I think it's just a question of good comedy. <laughs> and is. I think when you see this, you might... Um, you you might suffer from <laughs> not being able to breathe because you're laughing so hard. <laughs> I can't wait. Okay, that's coming up in just a couple of weeks too. Vacation. I know. I know. I got some studying to do because uh, I don't. I, I don't know this song really well. So oh. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this challenge. That'll be awesome. We have good time with those. We have good it's time. fun. It's fun. I like it. It's fun. Times that I actually like doing something with you. There's that's a lie because you don't like doing anything. I do like that. I do. So take no, it. No, take you the don't. You, you can get it. You lie. You're a big liar. Yeah, I lie. I don't like to Lying McLiar face. Hey, hey, ho, hey. Be nice now. I, I like going to the that, gym with you. Yeah, I'm lying. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I think we both look like, well, let's set the let's set the table for this. So today in, in New England, it uh, when we started at the gym, the, the temperature outside was 88, but the real feel, according to the Weather Channel, was 97 degrees with humidity. Now, granted, I understand there are places that get a whole lot hotter, and I respect that, but this is the warmest day um, this early in the season, and the air was like breathing water. Uh, uh, It was gross. And so, but we still worked out, and neither of us got heat stroke, which is amazing. No, I thought I was going to. I don't know if the last time I sweat as much as I did today, 
but uh, it's it's all for a good cause. It's cause it's called me like not dying. So well, I almost died, but I guess don't don't die, Dan. Okay, I want I don't want to because you know why? Please. Why? I like I like doing the show with you. Wow, I think the heat has gotten to your head. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, are you uh, ready to do this, day, jerk? Yes, sir. Dum dum. All right, here we go. Coconut. <laughs>